but I do have to ask you about this doggone voice you have. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Your voice is a combination of warm butter. Oh, thank you. It is an aged Pinot. <laughs> it's got a little cognac in it. Mm. It's got some 1960s civil rights in it. <laughs> and then it's got some early 70s soul pain anguish in it. Wow. That is the best compliment I've ever received on my voice. That is the best Did you hear me, ladies? Y'all, she is complimenting wow. me. And she's telling me I'm getting it. I told you I'm a fan. I told wow. you. You Thank think I'm you. playing with your emotions. I'm telling you, you are, you are what the doctor ordered. Brothers and sisters, my name is Kirk Franklin. And I come to give you good words. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking to a powerful voice on the music scene. She's a multi-instrumentalist, a bona fide songwriting child prodigy. She was signed to RCA Records at just 14 years old. She won two Grammys for her first full-length album, and y'all, it wasn't even an album. But this conversation is about more than that, y'all. It's about what support can look like, yeah, what cultivation can look like, <laughs> and what maintaining one's spirit can look like. Please welcome to Good Words with Kirk Franklin, the incomparable, her. Hello. Yo. Wow, that was that was quite the introduction. That was a uh, top top five introductions ever. Thank you for that. Uh, whoa, whoa! I made top five. Now, now, now! Don't be trying to gas me up. Don't gas me up because you gotta understand your number one fan is on this mic. Oh. So if I'm top five, I'm never going to not let anybody that I meet know that her said that I'm like top five. My young queen, how are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be speaking with you. Thanks for having me. Man, are you kidding me, man? Listen, and I meant every word I said. Thank I you. meant every word. It's like you landed from another planet that, I, <laughs> that I, I feel that when you entered into our space and into our lexicon, that you just tapped into the hunger and the thirst that we were all looking for and needing wow. just because the land was dry, mm. you know, and it is the early inception of what we felt from Shaka, what we felt from Lauren, what we felt from from Sheila, what we felt from all the great musical legends, from Joni Mitchell, from from, mm. from Carly Simon, from all, and I don't even know if you know who some of these people I'm talking about. Have yes, you ever heard of some I, of these people? I know all those people. <laughs> I, I apologize if I'm offending you. I'm quite sure just because your your style is so far beyond your age and your reach. And I want you to know, man, that I am so thankful and blessed to be talking to a phenomenon. Oh, thank you. That means the world. When you hear me tell you how special you are, is that a weight that if you had the choice, you wouldn't want to hear that type of commentary because you got to understand, and I don't know if you want me to call you Miss Her, you want me to call you Miss Gabby. <laughs> Tell me what you want me to call you. Everybody calls me Her. Okay, well, I'm going to say Miss Her, okay? <laughs> I'm going to put a Miss on it just because I think that, you know, it's I'm a musician, 
Mm-hmm. And I understand the vulnerability and the level of transparency that you got to go to those places, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever people may be bobbing their head to, they don't know that for you before it was a bop. It may have been a heartbreak. It may have mm-hmm. been a fear. It may have been an anxiety. It may like you are, Miss Her, you are special. Thank you. And I want to know, like, do you feel pressured by that? So I've looked at it a few different ways. I think in the beginning, um, when people would tell me that, it would kind of be like, oh, really? You know, it would kind of be like, no way, you know, kind of unbelievable. And it goes with just being able to take compliments and believing yourself and trusting and being more proud of yourself because Mm -hmm. you can't really move forward if you're not proud of yourself in that moment. Um, Always trying to get the next Mm -hmm. thing. You can't enjoy what is you can't you can't have the ultimate gratitude if you can't look at the way things are in that moment and just appreciate it and say okay you know what let me take a second and celebrate this let me take a second and celebrate myself but still yes um i don't i don't see it as pressure as, as much as i used to because nothing good ever came out of me thinking about what people wanted to hear or thinking about, you know, mm. the bar that I've set because I'm always going to progress. That's that's a part of life. If you're not progressing, then you're complacent, then you're not moving forward. So yeah. regardless of having eyes on you or having opinions, you're always going to progress and you're always going to grow. And that's always the goal. So I'm going to do that regardless of compliments or regardless of people telling me it's trash or whatever. I'm always going to try to push for something better. So I don't I don't necessarily see it as pressure, but I see it as confirmation as like, okay, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Was it really that good? And somebody says, yeah, it was great. Because I think artists, we're, we're the most uh, hard on ourselves. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I've, I've definitely learned to just, and it just, it's just gratitude. Like I said, it's just like, wow, okay, yeah. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. And that's when you when you really become more happy is when you when you appreciate yourself more and you're proud of, of what you've done. But yeah. yeah, you know, sometimes you're just doing your thing. You don't realize the impact that it has or you don't realize what you're doing. You just it's just part of who you are. You're just doing it. You don't. And I think that's also the beauty of it, you know. And so like for people that may feel like you as as an artist or the artist community, you know, there's a false narrative that everything is this pampered life. Right. And and when you said that we're the most vulnerable, it's almost like, what did Kanye's famous line say? That we're all insecure, that I'm just the first to admit it, you know? Um, I mm. thought that was a really dope line, that artists are in our private state, we're insecure yeah. because people don't realize that when you are creating music and standing in front of the people for the first time mm. for them to hear it, it's, it's the most vulnerable. Yeah. Like I say, it's like me standing in front of you with my drawers on, you know? <laughs> I'm saying, you know, like I ain't got no suit on. It's like every time we do new music, you know, and I'm letting people read your diary later. Bro, yeah. bro, bro. And I want to know for you, how did you overcome getting to the most vulnerable parts that you were not afraid to let people read your diary? Um, it was tough. It definitely takes a village. It takes a good foundation of people. Sometimes you're, you feel alone and you and you have to trust yourself. But I will say I had a lot of people embrace me and help me be who I am and gave me the creative space and the creative freedom to be who I am. But I've always, I, I, well, I, I should say I've never had to compromise or chose to compromise who I am. And I think that was the first step. Um, when I released my project, the idea was <laughs> that it was kind of hard to make this honest music 
things that represented high school and what I call the evolution of woman and heartbreak and all these things that we we talk about as, as artists and the vulnerable parts, the things that we say that sit in the back of our minds that we put into a song. Uh, putting that out was going to be very nerve wracking for me. So I decided, <laughs> yeah. you know, I decided that the, the the cover of the project should just be a silhouette, not a face, not a name, just her. Wow. Because throughout those years, I said, um, I'm never going to be that girl who, you know, falls for the wrong guy. I'm never going to be. And as part of life, I had to accept that I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. You shouldn't even try to be perfect. And that's what her is. And that's who I am is those things that sit in the back of my mind that I'm afraid to say or that may be hard to say. And it's put into a song, um, having everything revealed in the music. And uh, that that was the, the easiest way for me. And you had all these people like, oh, how old is she? Where is she from? What does she look like? I, I, that, no yeah, no yeah. information, nothing to go off of, but music. We tend to listen with our eyes sometimes, and I wanted to get away from that just because we focus too much on the exterior things. And my music is most important to me. That's that's what I'm pushing. That that's more important to me um, is my message. And you never know who needs to hear that or who needs to feel it. So that's how it happened. So now this entire acronym and the entire presentation that was all you that was your <laughs> yeah idea? yeah a few uh few people in my team were like why don't you just be her and I was like that's kind of the idea of just having my face you know not on the cover just a silhouette um but everybody agreed but but like me and my wife we were like <laughs> like my wife was like oh she is so cute look how cute she is and it's like <laughs> it's like why didn't you utilize what you knew were the tools of the industry and to take this type of chance to do what you did? Was it something that happened that made you want to do that? Um, no, honestly, I just the thing about social media, especially four years ago, even more so or even longer than that, just the past, I feel like 10 years. Everybody has been so focused on this thing that they used to, you know, the full package or whatever that means. And. To me, that's that stuff is not important. Mm. You know, people think that. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again, please. The exterior things are not important. There is no formula. <sighs> there is no mold, especially not for a woman. Mm. You know, we tend to to think that there is a mold for what a woman should be, for what an artist should be. I remember after I released my music, going on my first tour in 2017. And somebody said, a few people said, oh, you shouldn't play instruments on stage. You know, kids are not going to get that. I said, no, I said, uh, no. that's who I am. That's part of who I am. I even experienced that when I was like 10 years old. And I remember pulling up, you know, and it was me and my dad. And my dad used to carry my heavy piano to my performances and my heavy uh, amp. He used to take me to shows and festivals or whatever, talent shows. And somebody said, oh, I thought she was going to sing to track. My dad said, that's not who she is. She's she's not going to sing to track. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's just wow. not who she is. She's going to play piano. So I didn't do the show because my dad said, no, you're not you're not going to compromise who you are. And that's when I learned. Those, those were moments that made me learn. Stick to your guns wow. and go against the grain. But listen, the mold is that wow. there is no mold. Somebody tried to discourage you from being... A musician? Somebody tried, yes. So hopefully I had something to do with it, but I see a whole lot of girls and a whole lot of people bringing out their guitars and 
bringing out the bass and being more, yeah. much more proud of real music. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Like, why would we lose sight of real music? Why do we get so caught up in, it's, oh, yeah, they're cute. They're, they're, you know, they could sing a little bit, you know, or whatever, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. It's not about that. I, I love music so much. Mm. <laughs> That's what I'm about. And it's obvious. It is so obvious as well that you had some beasts of parents. Just the fact that you had a daddy that was there with you, taken up for you, and reminding you of something that was going to make you long term mm. and not just something that was quick and microwavable. And I need for you to tell me about these two beautiful yeah. people. Listen, um, I'm I'm so blessed to have had my my mom and dad there for me every step of my entire life. Um, My mom, you know, she was born in the Philippines and she came here when she was 18 years old. And uh, she met my dad and my my dad is he's from all over the place, but he's a country boy. And he was born (laughs) in in Pomona, but he, he grew up in Arkansas. Okay, wow. So he's down there by me. Yeah, my 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 dad. Uh, he used to have a, a band, a cover band, and they would just for fun. You know, he was a construction worker Monday through Friday on the weekends. Wow. He would play with his band at random clubs and and different festivals. And you know, being me being from the Bay Area, there was always music. There was always some kind of festival going on in Oakland. Mm-hmm. There was always music and you know yeah. Yoshi's and different cafes and so. Um, they would perform and rehearse, and I used to sing with them. And he let me uh, join the band, you know, when I was six, seven years old. I used to perform. Are you yeah, serious? I used to sing and, and play keys or play bass and sing with the band. And, um, you know, when my dad would be working, my mom was the one taking me to talent shows and, you know, just anything she could get me in. She was she was like my agent, you know, my, my momager at the time. But honestly, <laughs> it wasn't for anything else yeah. but to embrace me for who I am. It it wasn't for anything, but to support exactly what they already saw inside me. And the support of my parents meant the world to me. And um, I just feel like everything lined up the way it was supposed to. And that's just God, you know, so I'm I'm grateful. Sure. No doubt. No doubt. So they didn't put you in anything formal when you were a kid. Like you had you're lying to me. No, I never, I never had lessons or anything like that. I just played by ear. My- no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, Miss Her. Hold on, Miss Her. <laughs> this woman just said that she plays three instruments, right? Uh, four. Four. Okay. See, check me. <laughs> check me. She plays four instruments, ladies and gentlemen. She's never, never had formal training, and I have seen her kill on the lead guitar. Then I've seen little mama go to the bass and she will give Bootsy Collins problems on the bass. Do you hear me? (laughs) I have seen her give Prince problem on the guitar and then you'll go to the drums, right? Mm -hmm. And then the keys. Mm -hmm. Well, don't be saying "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm," (laughs) like it's just, yeah, no. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand that's not normal. That is not normal for this girl to just wake up and be given these divine, incredible gifts at such young. So at at a young age, you were interested in all of these instruments at one time. Yeah, they were they were in the house, and you were just jumping on one after the other one. Yeah, yeah. I started on keys, and then my dad would teach me how to play the blues. That was the first thing I learned how to play on guitar, and I fell in love with the blues and BB uh, King and. Albert King and, and John Lee Hooker and Eric Clapton. And then then it was Jimi Hendrix. And then it was Van Halen and Carlos Santana. And then, of course, Prince. Um, 
And Prince is a multi-instrumentalist, and that's somebody I looked up to a lot. My dad, wow. you know, he let me watch Purple Rain when I was young, and he just covered my eyes and <laughs> skipped skip the, the bad parts. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's my favorite movie. I watch that yeah. movie two or three times a year. Wow. Because I remember being 14, Miss Her, going to go see Purple Rain, and I just remember being wow. impacted by the music just like you. You know, it is just a powerful mm-hmm. thing to hear you tell me that you are this fluid and it was just a gift. So wow. now this voice, I'm not going to let you be too humble with this voice, my sister. This this voice that you have, how how did you find the sound that you have, this this raspy texture, but it's a lower alto mm. that can still t- at times visit the soprano range. And then when you have a lot of sorrow in what you're saying, you could almost be a first or second tenor at times. Mm. How did you learn how to be able to just kind of just maneuver through all of those spaces with your voice? I mean, I, I guess it was the people I listened to. Uh, but, you know, being Filipino, my mom from the Philippines, they love karaoke. So we sang a lot. When I was young, we would sing a lot. I don't know if you know, but karaoke parties are different. You know, we sing Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey and all them ballads. We sing Journey, you know, all them all them people. Got you. But yeah, Got there was you. that and like I said, that the blues was a huge impact. So the I think the pain in the blues was something I just loved so much when I was a kid. But yeah. I listened to a lot of Alicia. I used to sing a lot of Alicia Keys songs and a lot of Donny mm. Hathaway. I, I love Donny yeah. Hathaway. Definitely top three male vocalists. I think my top three favorite male vocalists would be like Charlie Wilson, Stokely Ooh. from Mint Condition, and Donny Ooh. Hathaway. You know, those those are like three of my my favorites. You are an old soul. <laughs> yeah, You're an I, old soul. Are you serious? Yeah, I, I feel like I should have been a teenager in the seventies. I don't know. I feel like I was born in the wrong era, or maybe I've been here before. I don't know. But um, Sly Sly Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sly Sly. Do you have any favorite singers that are in my genre, Absolutely. like in gospel, that you like? What Yolanda Adams and Kimberell are my top, hey. my top two, <laughs> my top two. But honestly, I wasn't introduced to gospel until I was like 13 years old, and there was a group that I was around called The Vray. Yeah, and yes. I remember they were, you know, rehearsing and I was I was there and I told them, I said, one day I want to be like you guys. I didn't know what runs were. I didn't understand it. And I owe it to them for teaching me all those those techniques. And then I got into Brandy. Are you serious? Um, I was always listening to people like Aretha. I loved Aretha mm-hmm. and Donnie and those people and Stevie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got older, I started listening to like Aaliyah and Janet and that kind of style. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of how that unfolded. But And Michael, yes. of course, Michael. Yes, yes, that's super dope. And yeah. like I watch you and your crew, and it is so obvious that you are a fan of music. You know, like you can hear the players. You, you allow your players to have a little... You know, kind of have a little extra drip, have a little extra sauce mm-hmm. to kind of give a little, you know, some attitude. You'll let one of your singers kind of yeah. have a little riff up under you. And you know what I'm saying? And all that stuff just makes your tapestry even more beautiful. And when we get back, y'all, we will find out how her began to blossom as a songwriter.
Yo, man, have you ever said to yourself, I love the fact that I've had the same few pairs of sheets since just after college and I didn't like them, but I just keep washing them every week or two and putting them back on the bed like it's totally normal. Well, listen, stop it. All right. Just stop it. Brooklinen can make that voice in your head and the bad sheets on your bed go away. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code Kirk to get 25 off when you spend 100 bucks or more plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code Kirk to get 25 off when you spend 100 bucks or more plus Free shipping. Brooklinen.com and use promo code Kirk at checkout. Listen, man, they make luxury available to you without the luxury level markups. Head to Brooklinen.com and pick your color, pattern, and material, and be sure to grab a comforter and some loungewear to go with it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Is I want to know from you, when did you start taking a pen and start just the beginning of articulating your emotions on paper? Like, oh, but you know what, though? So, You're so young, it probably was never paper, and it maybe was never a pen. It was, you know. <laughs> no, no, it was paper. It was paper. This That was like, you know, 15 years that it's been no paper. Wow. But um, when I was five years old, I started writing really silly poems. I don't even know why. I don't know what was in me to do this, but I wrote the silliest poems. And my mom said, write more, write more. She always encouraged me to do Beautiful. more. She said, write more, write more. And they were very silly. And I would draw little pictures, of whatever it was about. My mom collected them and she created a children's book and got it published when I was six years old. So I had a book of poems and then eventually learning instruments, I started making my own melodies and writing songs. And my dad had an MPC and I oh, used to sequence on the MPC. Oh, he had the MPC. Yeah, <laughs> he had the MPC. And I was I would sequence songs on that. And sometimes he'd be like, let's record you. And he would buy a little bit of studio equipment and record me and it would be like terrible quality, but we just had fun doing wow. it. And then um, I remember being seven years old, eight years old. And my mom would write down a bunch of like random titles for songs. And she would say, here, take some of these titles and, and write a song to them. Really? And I used to do that. And I remember writing a song called Keep On. And it was like, keep on going, don't give up to what you believe. Because if you mess up, that's okay. Like, I wrote that little song when I was like seven years old. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you know. I've been writing music, like I said, since I was seven years old. I have songs from when I was nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. I wrote a lot in high school and um, I was just writing songs. I worked with a lot of people. I got signed to MBK RCA when I was 14 years okay, old. Okay, okay. And I started writing songs and right. and kind of just working on my craft and thank God for, you know, Jeff Robinson, MBK Entertainment for allowing me to develop and not putting me out, you know, just saying, oh, let's just 
see what sticks, have her work with so-and-so, so-and-so. I remember I worked with so many different people. I worked with Babyface when I was 14, 15 years old. I worked with a lot of people and I still love the song that we did, but I got to find it and listen to it again. Um, but throughout the years, I was just working on my craft and creating, learning. I was always in the studio. I was in class in high school, like, I can't wait to go back to New York so I can record. <laughs> I can't wait, you know? And then eventually uh, I started creating for a project, you know, and okay, now it's starting to sound like I know exactly who I am and what I want to do. And um, it was so many things I was doing. But at the time, I was really into Drake and, and Janae Aiko and Bryson Tiller and people like oh, that party you? next door. You? Yeah, in high school. <laughs> and then I started writing this music that went along with that kind of vibe R&B. And then that's how Volume 1 was created. And um, there's so many songs that I wrote in that process that weren't necessarily that vibe that people are starting to see more of now, you know, songs like Lord is Coming and other songs that um, were more singer-songwriter or more me and, and my guitar. But there's so many layers that I haven't uncovered yet that I'm just so anxious to to show and that I have been showing uh, that I, I've been so excited about. Listen, you were flying from Oakland to New York? Yeah. Girl, that's a long flight. <laughs> yeah, my dad my dad was with me a lot. Um, Are you serious? Yeah, he was with me and, and he would be there while I was recording when I was really young. And then I got old enough to be able to go to New York by myself and create my project. How did they feel? How did your mom and dad feel at the Grammy Awards? Oh, my gosh. When they called your name? They both I cried. I want to know about that moment. <laughs> they both cried. They were bawling. How did, how did it feel to see your daddy cry? Oh, he, he always cr- he's always crying. You know, what, but that's that's <laughs> how do proud. Him like that. <laughs> well, Don't do him like honestly, that, Mr. In front of everybody. Honestly, it's a compliment because that's how proud he is of me. Wow. That's how proud and that's how much he wants me to to be happy and and see me doing exactly what I love and and live out my dream. So honestly, it's a compliment, but they couldn't believe it. And I just had to remind them, like, everything that you did for me led me to this point. So thank you. Do you remember your speech? Yes, I was. uh, You don't want to know what's funny. Since I was a little girl, I have practiced a Grammy speech. I'm like, one day I'll be in bed, not able to sleep. And I'll be like, I'm going to say this. And this is it's going to be epic. And Uh. it's going to be so (laughs) thought provoking. And it's going to feel like this. I got up there and I was like, it's not even an album. (laughs) <laughs> I got up there and That's I didn't what know what said. to say. Yes. That's what you said. I was like, it's not even an album. I won, you know, for R&B album. I'm like, these were EPs that were combined that wasn't even, honestly, we just put them out. And I was like, okay, this is the beginning. But I didn't think it was but going were incredible to. incredible bodies of work. Yes. It was incredible though. Still being, incredible- you know, the, the on the charts to this day, you know, four years yes. later. Yes. So I, yes. listen, can never prepare. <laughs> The first thing came out your mouth was, it's not even an album. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, you, you know, that was just all of that adrenaline, you know. Absolutely. That was just all that, that, all that nervous energy. And I love it, though. Thank your you. Your authenticity is uh, really contagious, man. And, and, and when I see people and I see all ages and all walks of life react to your music, mm. is I want to know what song has impacted people the most, but people would be blown away if they knew the price that it cost you to write that song? Mm. Listen, I, I don't know, honestly. I, I don't know if I have an answer for that because it, it's hard to, 
to see the impact. A lot of the songs I think that have impacted people are the ones that I just wrote because I was feeling it and I didn't think too hard about it. You know, it was mm. a lot of songs that it was just kind of like, I like this. You know, it's very personal, but I like this and hopefully somebody else will too. And then it ends up being best part. You don't know, babe, when you hold me and kiss me slowly, it's the sweetest thing. And it's wow. everybody's wedding song or it's a song that everybody's like, this song, you know, reminds me of, of me and my wife. We've been married for 25 years or it's somebody's promposal, you know, and it's one of those those songs. But, you know, there, there were a few songs, um, songs like Pigment on my first project, songs like Losing, Focus, that were yeah. very personal and very like, oh, this is like, this is really kind of putting it all out there, laying it all on the table. The vulnerability was there. Um, so people to, to say they relate to it, I'm like, really? Wow. Like, when wow. it first dropped, I was very surprised and, and it made me feel even more confident in writing about my life stories and having it be like, OK, nobody knows you know, where this came from. And that's that's the beauty of it. They can still feel me. I have to tell you that that when I first heard Lord is coming, first of all, I was mad that God didn't let me borrow that one. I'm like, God, you tripping. <laughs> tell me what that was for you, you that's know, um, in your own words, in your own space, what? What was the birth of the song? Why yeah. was that song important for you to, to speak it? So the idea of that song, I was actually in Vermont with, randomly with um, some really, really dope writers from Nashville and musicians. And is this one guy, he, he plays upright bass. And he, he mm. and I wrote together and he played this, this bass line, you know, dum, dum, dum. And I was like, that's very emotional. It's very heavy. It sounds mm. very heavy. Mm. And we started just talking about the state of the world and how people think it's too late for them. People think it's too late to change, that we can't do anything about it. You know, we, we can be a little jaded when we think about the negative things that, that go on in this world, but it's never too late. They can't put a price on your soul. Don't matter your religion, right and wrong is something everybody knows. They pick and choose what's equal, who's good and who's evil. And this is the devil. And that's kind of where the song came from and the idea of if we don't get it together, you know, it's bigger than that. The Lord is coming and it and it kind of became this political song, this song that represented yeah, so yeah. many things that go on in the world and I decided after the song was done, I did the spoken word and I said this isn't oh, enough. These wow. these three verses is not enough to say what I want to say. And that's why I love spoken words so much. Um, it's another thing that I, I really love to do uh, is just write poetry. And spoken word is that space where I can say exactly what I want to say. I don't have to fit it in four bars, eight bars, 16 bars. I don't have to put it into a melody. You're going to hear exactly yeah. what I mean. Yeah. And that was the idea of... Um, Having that in the beginning was like, no, they don't hear me. This is this is very important. This needs to be said. One of these days, I want you to, if you want to, do some spoken word, and I'll put together like a big choir doing like some oohs and some ahs up under your spoken words. You know what I mean? I would love that. You know, if you ever get bored and, you know, want me to put like a big Let's choir do it. moment on something, you know what I'm saying? I think that that could be. I love a choir moment. Yeah, man. So do I. <laughs> when when you see how songs like that impact 
people's souls. Like, do you think that music has lost its way? And and I know that you have to be very careful is because I know that people can sometimes want to try to make you like the new Messiah to save R&B, which which is not fair, is I think you've got to have the space to be the new you. Absolutely. You don't need to be what was. You have to be space to be the new you. And unfortunately, uh, it's common for our species to be able to define things by categories. Mm. You know what I mean? We have to categorize things to be able to understand the definition of them, you know? That's why I like when Pharrell has, you know, a context of I am other, Mm. you know? Is that it just gives you the space to be what God created you to be. But let's say that you don't do music. Let's let's say that her is, um, she's a civilian, right? Mm -hmm. And she's looking sonically what's happening with music and the times in 2020. Do you think that spiritually music has a responsibility at some point to pick people up? And if so, how would you grade it? What would be your report card? Um, I don't know if I would grade it very good, to be honest with you. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to me. Um, and I have to be all things to all people because that is who I am. I make music for everybody. But taking myself out of it, I just I do think there is a responsibility and I think that more because I have a, a young 14-year-old little sister and I, I'm very protective mm. over her. And I just think sometimes the things we promote are are not necessarily healthy. Um, it's not thought-provoking enough and it's it's can be, I think, detrimental sometimes, you know, um, but... Mm. But it's always been that way. There's always bad within the good. I don't think everybody needs to be talking about, you know, spirituality necessarily or talking about good things in the world because that's not reality. Um, But I Mm. I think there is somewhat of a a responsibility to promote um, substance, to promote good, uh, to uplift the people. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that... um, there's levels to certain things. Um, I personally feel a responsibility within myself just to continue to be who I am because I don't think there's such a thing as as saving a genre. The genre is always going to be there. I do think, though, wow. I do think as a Black woman who is an artist, who is a musician, I have no choice but to continue to embrace myself and be who I am because other people need to see that. And that's what I promote and navigate this this industry because at the end of the day, it's a music business um, and, and be on my stuff and educate myself so that I can pave the way for the next generation of artists who want to be R&B so that I can be a voice and speak out against social injustice and injustice in the industry. And, you know, some award shows that don't, you know, televise some of the black categories and and don't showcase us. So my responsibility, and I hope others will take on this responsibility with me, is to continue to show people that as a black community, we are not even close to being one thing Mm. and that we need to be heard and we need to be loved and supported just as much as anybody else, you know, if not more, because at the end of the day, this is where it came from. It came Preach. from us. You know Preach. what I mean? That's where it came from. So there's a responsibility there. Uh, um, and to younger generations. So wise, girl. Thank you. <laughs> but to younger yeah. generations and and younger women, I think as women, we, we tend to be put in boxes and into a box that 
to me is just is not right. Uh, I think you should be whatever being confident means to you, whatever being sexy means to you, whatever being beautiful means to you, because it's not the same for everybody and it shouldn't be the same for everybody. Um, so I hope women will continue to love themselves and showcase that and the black community continues to when we when one of us wins, we all win. And I and I always live by that. Yeah. So we have to continue to uplift each other because when I was on that SNL stage, I'm thinking of all the other little black girls who are saying I can do that too uh, now. Um and it was phenomenal. Thank it you. It was phenomenal. Your performance was it. I'm telling you, I what every time you do something, if you do a a Cheerios commercial, we're gonna be <laughs> up in the front row. I don't Thank care you. if you be singing about a used car. We're gonna go buy the used car. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> no, yeah, man, it is fun. Listen, 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 I got a question for you, man. Yeah. And this may put you on the spot, but because you're wise that you have the ear of so many of your generation, and because I agree with you that music should not have have the responsibility of making everything sad and serious that you know that there can be bops, there can be joints, but it does have a responsibility to remind you that when the party is over, where do you go? Right. You know, what's your next step in life? What's your purpose? Uh, that you should look within. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. I got a question for you. Yeah. And, and I'm asking you because I trust your wisdom and I trust your acumen. Mm. For young men and women that are doing the kind of music that I do, what can they do to connect more with the generation that is yours? Because, you know, it's not like that gospel music or music talking about God is, is on a lot of people's playlists of your generation. Absolutely. What do you think has happened where gospel music or music talking about faith doesn't do a good job or maybe could do a better mm. job? Let me not even say it in the, the negative, but in the positive, could do a better job of being part of the fabric of what people listen to. And like, if you were a teacher mm. to a generation of young, you know, kids that want to do, you know, musical mm. faith, what kind of advice could you give of what we're doing wrong, what we need to do better? You know, I think sometimes, um, just based on conversations I've heard or, or things that I've noticed uh, when it comes to gospel music is sometimes people relate gospel music to a sound. Like gospel is a sound and not a message. And I think we need to take away the sound aspect of it and, and continue to to let the message shine and the message to be just just like you do. You know, it, it's the way that you word things is relatable. And it's it's where people who may not have faith, they hear your music and they they're like, wait, there's something missing here that I know is bigger than me. Wow. Um, and I think wow. the message can shine um, more. And I think the sonics of it uh, shouldn't be boxed. You know, people should be able to to put the message and the word of God into anything because yeah. a lot of kids even listen to music for the beat or they listen to music because they, they like the groove of it. But if there's a message in there, then it becomes like, oh, okay, I like this song, but also it has you thinking. But I, I think there's a, there's some mm. gospel artists who, who do that. But I think we could be even more innovative and combine the the crazy musicianship with things that that are mainstream and 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 R&B that you know you can groove to but there's a message in there because to me gospel music and and the word of god is not a sound it's a message so if you just wow. let this the, yeah. the message carry you into and pushing yourself into making 
different sounds and, and being more innovative with sonics and, and really producing records that people want to sing along to. And then realize, oh, wait, I didn't realize how much I, I connect <laughs> to this. I connect to this and, yeah. I'm, and I'm worshiping God and I'm thinking about my relationship with God. And I think, I think that definitely could, I don't know, break barriers. When you look at your abilities and you look back on the fact that you were not formally trained, the fact that you are able to do all that you can and this voice and the writing and the musicianship, like did those things for you ever in your own personal life make you ever go, there's got to be something bigger to be able to give me all of this? Like, did your gifts affirm for you that there's got to be a bigger being in the universe for this little bitty girl <laughs> to have who dad is from Arkansas and mom is from the Philippines to be blessed with all of this. Did it ever confirm or make you question or make you think about this just this this is not a random accident. This is not just because oh, of just a series of just molecular building blocks. And you know what I'm saying? Um, and you you sound like your own purpose. So, oh. You sound like you're intentional. Oh no. I, I'm I am intentional and sometimes I'm intentional without even realizing it because it it's not me at all. And my parents have made that clear. Like you thank God every single day because this mm. didn't just come out of you. This isn't from us. You know, it's a little bit from wow. my, my father and my mom, but yeah. it's much bigger than us. And I I can't tell you every single day how many times it's been proven in my life. Like there, you, there's no way on this on this planet, in this universe, you could tell me that God isn't real because I feel like the epitome of blessed and highly favored a lot. Um, and that's not because of my success. That's because of the way that I have been able to impact people because of something that I, I already love to do. And I think that's the mm -hmm. definition of like doing what you love is something that you already love to do. And then it becomes more, then it becomes a responsibility. Then it becomes so many different things that you can, you can mistake or misconstrue as, as pressure, but really it's a gift and it's, it, you're a vessel, honestly. And it, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you can really mis mistake it for pressure, but at the end of the day, uh, so many people would kill to have what it is that I have. And, and the least I can do is show other people that they have it too, because some people don't know. Um, some people think Beautiful. they have to dim their light for others. And time and time again, the, the way that things work out in my life and sometimes don't work out, and, and when you just let it be and something greater happens, yeah. that's when you know, like, okay, all right, God, I know exactly what that was for. And sometimes yeah. um, having conversations, actually with my, with my stylist, we have a lot of those kinds of conversations. And one thing I realized the past few years is sometimes when you have to go through something, it's not even for you, it's for somebody else. So all these things in my life, um, I've just tried to take every single moment and just own every single moment because I know it's not just it's not just coming out of a coming out of a hat or just coming from the sky yeah. it's it's from God
Have you <laughs> have you almost had a fit not being able to be on stage doing yes. what you do? Like <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even you didn't even have to think about that one, huh? You was like, yes, quick, quick. No, I just somebody asked me, you know, if you could leave one thing in 2020, what would it be? I said, Zoom. I want to be on a real stage <laughs> with people. I want to be able to embrace people and be with the people. And and so, you know, Yo. hopefully that happens soon. Yo. But. but you know what? That just, you know, like that doesn't surprise me because you are such a true artists and true artists they really connect on a deeper level with people mm -hmm. and people don't really know this like we miss touching people yes, right absolutely. you know what i'm saying you're you're spending your life curating the language of your soul and then you put it out there and you want to be able to see how the people react you 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 want to be able to look in their eyes mm -hmm. and you want to be able to see if they're like saying the words if they're mumbling exactly. the lyrics right there's nothing like that energy too um being on Zoom is it's harder to, to connect and being on a, a phone screen, but yeah, I just I just miss the the energy of the stage. Yeah, yeah, man, you know, and I'm quite sure like you is I wish I could find the address of the Zoom company and maybe just pull out the electric plug. I'm tired. I'm kinda getting tired of it, boo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm kinda me getting too. tired of it. <laughs> I'm appreciative of it though. And like I said, um, I really have no space, no room to complain because I've been able to do so much this year, so much more, you know, than I've even done last year, just this year alone, um, with with my with my talent and, and my music. So I, I just I'm thankful for Zoom. <laughs> but you know, I'm just ready for for things to be normal. <laughs> have have you been writing? I have, yeah. I've been finishing my album. I'm actually working on a bunch of projects, but I just in the beginning of the year, I feel like it was was hard for me to create. So now everything that was inside is like coming out now. And it's just like, I'm just, just pumping them out. So it's been uh -oh. song after song uh -oh. and yeah, it's coming. Uh-oh, uh-oh. How much, how much of this climate and just the times have affected your pen? Like how much of that is in the ink of your soul as you begin to just regurgitate what's been inside of you? Well, you know, it was hard. There was a lot of anxiety. Um, so I, sometimes you got to feel it first and then talk about it or write mm -hmm. about it later. And you have to go through it first. Mm -hmm. So uh, mm -hmm. going through everything and then with the George Floyd protests and everybody kind of having this big awakening that should have been happened. Um, yes. It, it, yes. It turned into me channeling that and making music. And I wrote a song called I Can't Breathe which, um, mm. you know, all the proceeds went to Black Lives Matter movement and, and kind of just contributed Super to dope. the movements of, of that. So I realized, I realized that this time, this year, people need substance. They need things that they can hold on to. And I, I've always wanted to give that, but now I feel even more fueled to do that now, even more so this year because people need it. And like you said, I think, the world is 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 kind of uh, thirsty right now for this yeah. this type of music that is much more. Um, I don't know. It just has it just has more to it, and it, and it digs a little bit deeper. And uh, yeah, I've just been creating everything, um, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful man. Yeah, see, you you are intentional. I'm, I'm I'm serious. You need to know you are on this planet. You're at this time. You know, um, one of the illustrations that I use, and hopefully this can inspire you. And I hope it just gives you something to let you know how 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 loved you are by God and how powerful you are. Is that you know when when a team has a relay, 
the coach always saves his fastest runner for the last leg, right? Mm. And the way that he knows who his fastest runner is in practice, he's making them run sprints and he's timing their sprints. And so whoever has the fastest time, he always puts them at the end so that if the team drops the baton or something goes bad during the relay, the mm. fastest one at the end has the opportunity to get the team back in the race. Mm. And when I look at you, and when I look at how you are here at this particular time in life for your generation, how crazy the world is, I need to let you know that God puts his fastest runners at the end to get the generation back in the race. And I believe that you have been given the baton at a specific time, at a specific moment in history to be able to let your generation know that they matter, to let young black women know that they matter, Mm -hmm. and to let the culture know that real music lives. Absolutely. How did I do with that? Was was that was that, was that, that okay? Was did that do good? Did I put that together? Yes. Was was was, was that all right? That was okay. incredible. Let me tell you how much your music has blessed me. I I want to play you a little something before we leave. Okay. I, you know, I even take your music and I even make it kind of even make it feel good for me. What? And let me show you what I did. Sometimes when I go somewhere, this is where I go when I take it. When I take it, where I have to take it where I go. Go on and mm-hmm. let me hear a little bit of that. Okay, let me hear it. Can you focus on me? Jesus, can you focus on me? Because I got bills. Because I got bills. <laughs> I love that. broke. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Me? Can you focus on me? Jesus, can you focus on me? Because I got bills. That's right. (laughs) Wow, that's dope. I'm honored. Thank you. It's fun. It's fun. Listen, I'm thankful that you would allow me this opportunity to to be able to just tap into your genius, your your greatness. Um, And this is just the beginning for you. This is just the beginning for you. I promise you that I will be at every show. I'll be sitting on the front row uh, as soon as we get out of this pandemic because I'm sick and tired of being dressed up on top but being (laughs) in my boxer shorts on bottom (laughs) and my house shoes. I'm tired of that. (laughs) I need to get my feet done because now my toenails is hanging over my toes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understood. I, I want you to know. (laughs) <laughs> Did you say understood? understood. Did you say understood? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back, y'all, with more her after the break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. So in closing, I want to know, because you seem to have genius way beyond your age, you seem to have a very pragmatic approach to life, you you are clear, and it's the blessings of your mom and daddy, you know mm. what I'm saying, they raised you great. Are there any nuggets that you can give some of the listeners right now, some, some young girls, because I have young daughters, and mm. are there any tools that you've learned in knowing the lessons of being an intentional powerful Black woman that can be passed on to somebody that's listening? Absolutely. Um, always be hungry for knowledge. We live in a world where there's a lot of misinformation, where there's a lot of uh, false prophets, where there's a lot of things uh. that are, are not what they seem. So always, always be eager for knowledge and understand that your path is not anybody else's path. You you cannot make any comparisons to anybody else's path. And to listen to your intuition and follow, literally follow mm. your heart and, and follow your gut and don't get the two confused, you know? Um Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. I think I think that's that's how you, you become intentional is listening to yourself and just be hungry for knowledge. Be observant. Understand that everything is not what it seems. There's always more. So always, always search for the more. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for her. Thank you. It was an honor. You know, I'm a father of uh, two beautiful girls, and uh, it has been my pride in life to see my young daughters turn into now young women. And it's scary when you live in a world where so many young women of color faced with so many challenges and temptations to, to assimilate to whatever is trending at that moment in culture. And it is very powerful to be able to hear another young woman that has had so many tests and so many challenges publicly, to be able to be strong and be her own person, to be able to take the words and pass them on to my daughters and so that they can pass them on to their future daughters. And that is to focus to be able to focus on the things that really matter because if what you see is all you see, then you do not see all there is to be seen. I'll say it again. If what you see is all you see, 
then you do not see all there is to be seen. Because behind the things that are in front of you, there's always a purpose and an agenda behind it. And your decisions will either make you better or bitter. But if you focus on the things that have long-term benefits, you'll be able to rise above. And that rising above is to be reminded that you were created for a purpose, that everybody has a song. And the beautiful part about having a song is that it is your song that you can sing when the rest of the world goes silent. I'll never forget when the world shut down in March. There was silence everywhere. You could see bars closed down, restaurants closed down, businesses closed down, and the streets were silent. But even though there are tough times behind you, in front of you, around you, I encourage you to find your song. And there's a song that is written in heaven that God wrote way before you got here. And I encourage you to tap into the Father's heart to find your song, because it'll be a song that the angels can't even sing. And it'll be a song that the storm cannot wash away. Thank y'all so much for listening to Good Words with Kirk Franklin. If you'd like to support the show, please rate us and leave a review on your podcast app. Good Words with Kirk Franklin is a collaboration between For Your Soul Entertainment, Sony Music, Provident Entertainment, and Spoke Media. We're produced by Trey Jones and Cody Hoffmachel with help from Alicia Force and John Yell Kastner. Our executive producer is Keisha T.K. Dutess with Aliyah Tavakolian and Keith Reynolds. This episode was mixed by Will Short. The rest of our team is Reese Brooks and Michael Havens from For Your Soul, Ron Hill and Phil Thornton from Provident Entertainment. And a very special thank you to the Sony Podcast team. Let's go. Let's go.